am Ksenia Brief, and my guest is Dajay James. This conversation is an absolutely wild ride through the realms of strategy, consciousness, spirituality, religion, artistry, business, regenerative practices, femininity, masculinity, and discomfort. If I was making a curriculum for any entrepreneurs or artists or creative souls, this podcast conversation would be an absolute must listen. Daget is a brand strategist, author, artist, and story doula, and her work is to make space for artists to breathe in their process. She feels guided by the universe and the spirits of her ancestors to stand in this work, challenge systems, and build around the fires of the collective creative process. She feels guided to write about it, ponder it, and call souls back to stand around the fire together and be heard. She is the founder of Founding Space, a community design studio, and Brave School, an institute of dreaming for the wild-hearted artists and creative entrepreneurs. As you listen to this conversation, may you remember the bigness of your own soul. May you release any attachment you have to linearity and comfort. And remember that trusting yourself can be the most powerful next step you can take. Here's my guest, the story doula. All right, Dajay. Beauty is in the tension, right? We got so much technical tension this morning with <laughs> computers, our mics, our AirPods, my login to Zencaster. And here we are. We made it. I saw that you've been lighting some sage. You're drinking a cozy beverage. And it's a beautiful Friday, fall morning here upstate. And I'm so excited to spend it with you. Mm, me too. Thank you for inviting me here. And I have coffee. It's my second cup already. So, <laughs> Me too. I have a coffee with uh, Rose and Euphoria from Anima Mundi. It's been my absolute go-to. And it makes my beverage pink and so luscious. And uh, yeah, I love it. So that actually was my first question to you. What does it mean to you that beauty lies in the tension and... Why do you find that to be an important part of a creative process as the story doula? Mm -hmm. I feel like I've, I've spent so much of my life running away from tension. I identify with Enneagram 7 in the Enneagram. And for anyone who knows what that is, you know, it's the sacred system of numbers that helps you to make sense of yourself. <laughs> Um, and the seven is all about like enthusiasm and joy and, and adventure. And I feel like having this question of what does it look like to find beauty in the tension comes from spending my whole life running away from tension because there was so much of it around me and it was shaping me and changing me, which is the creative process you know, as a young person, you don't know that you're in a creative process. You don't know that the things that are going on around you are for you in a sense. It's hard to see it that way. It's it's hard to see sometimes 
what feels like a bad dream or a nightmare as a deep revelation of what a life path could look like. So over the years, like just having this like especially very young seeker mentality. I would escape to books. Like you would always see me with my nose in a book. You would always see me with my my hand in art. You would always see me in my journal. You would always see me daydreaming. That was the child I was. And I was running away from tension. And in high school, I learned how to go into the tension. And those experiences of going and facing what was what I was afraid of actually allowed me to see something profound, see something really cool about life and God and myself and who I could be. And that's like the very simple answer, I think, is just like, what led me there was tension. What led me to the beauty was the tension. I don't think I I don't think I would have been able to, if I kept running away from all the things that were hard about being a person or being an artist or being a creative, I don't think that I would have evolved, Mm. grown. So that's some stuff about it. (laughs) What was the portal that opened you up to that possibility of co-creating with your tension instead of running away from it. And how is it present in your life today? Kind of, you know, you alluded to deep revelations that have shaped your life path. Take us into some of those revelations that want to be shared and how they have the places they've taken you and how they've led you to where you are right now. Mm. One of the stories that is really present in my conscious recently has been stories about like, there've been so many portals, especially middle school, high school. I was just like a very deep (laughs) spiritual child. (laughs) Um, And I was- Were you aware of it at the time? Or did you think you were different? I think I was aware of it. I think I was, I was like in theology books kind of child, <laughs> like real thick systematic theology when I was little, wow. like literally I was 12 or 13, like doing deep research on the history of the Bible. Wow. <laughs> that was the, I, I want to be I friends with that Daje. <laughs> like a small theologian. I don't know. I know now, like I know now that like when I think about my astrology and my chart, I'm like, yeah, I am past lives. Like I was absolutely a philosopher in a past life, like Mm. very clear. (laughs) I I was absolutely. You know, while you were in those books, I was reading how to make everyone love you and how to feel Mm. beautiful and just being crazy about magazines that talked about what lipstick to wear to be noticed by the boy you like. So maybe (laughs) I was a self-help guru in the past life or just a very (laughs) wounded human. I don't know. Anyway, I like it. I could have used some Daje wisdom when I was 13 for sure. I definitely had moments where I was like feeling odd for being so deep, especially like growing up religious and going to church and like being that one 
kid in the Sunday school class who's like kindly, gracefully, profoundly discussing with a teacher and then they're like slightly intimidated. That was kind of, (laughs) that was kind of sad and, and a little bit, I felt like an oddball for sure. And what I did with that is like, I went to poetry, like poetry was kind of a portal. I experienced a really traumatic childhood. And so I feel like my thoughts are like all over the place, but I'm trying to pull them together in like one cohesive story. And it's like, are stories really like that? Are they really that cohesive? They're just all these like different timelines happening at once. But there's like this shard of story where I went to the library one day and I was so sad about what was going on in my home and what I was experiencing with my parents and the abuse. And I pulled this book off of the shelf that was a that was how to write poetry. I think it was 11 or 12. And I took it home with me. And I just remember that first paragraph that introduced the journal to me as this like private portal of transformation, this space that no one else can see, no one else can feel, no one else can experience. It's your own space. And so I still have those journals from when I was that young of like pouring my whole heart out into these pages. Like I was that kid, I was so strange, but I was writing poetry about boys and pouring my heart out to God at the same time. <laughs> and it was like, this was this like place where I started to become transformed and, and like, I started to learn what it meant to really come home to myself in some ways, but I wouldn't have ever put it in those words. And I don't think I would have ever like named that moment as diving into the tension to find the beauty until like maybe eight, nine, 10 years later when I had the language for that. Mm. But that's what it felt like, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, I totally hear what you're saying, how every story has so many layers and timelines. And we always have this choice of which one do I want to invite in right now, which one feels alive. And that's how I feel it too, when I'm sharing anything. I know that I'm guided to bring forth through my words, the timeline that is of high service for me, and for everyone who's going to listen to it, because there's such unique medicine that those words unlock and the energy behind it, with whichever timeline we choose. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I totally agree. And it's like, yeah, it's like, there's so many different ways to tell your own story. And sometimes you just have to feel the room. Sometimes you just have to feel the, the space that you're in to know what parts are relevant for me right now. Like if you had no other healing tool, you have your own story. Um, you have your own narrative, you have your own book that you can just look into and see what is here for me to understand about this today. And it's like, it's profound, it's simple and complex and sometimes can be like really tender, but it's, it's simple. It's, it's, it's there. It's true. It's present for you. Mm. You know, when I think about sharing my story, there's this tension between where I've been, where I am and where I would like to go. How in the process that 
you go through yourself and guide people through, why is finding this harmony or play or at least presence with your story, why is that such an important piece of the process, the story doula? Mm-hmm. I think that we're always looking outward from ourselves at other people. And that's, I mean, that's what we do as humans. That's how we learn is we see how other people are engaging with the world. But there's a certain kind of like, there's a grace when you can root down in your own story and take total ownership. That's, I mean, that's what I think bravery is. It's, it's not like about being, you know, fearless and going straight into the tension. <laughs> it's about owning yourself. It's about owning your story. It's about owning where you come from. And when we can do that, we have so many more options, I think. And this is like also the tension about it is like when we're like, I think Deepak Chopra calls it like self-referential and others referential in his book, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. And when we're others referential, we're looking to others to understand how we should be and what we should have and what we should be experiencing that's dissonant because no one has the same frequency as you. No one is going to carry the same medicine, the same fractal as you do. Like you have your own. And when you try to be like the other, when you try to copy the other, there's only so far you can go. There's like this line between learning and like not, and, and just not accepting who you are, how you're wired like what you've come to be. And then there's like self-referential, which is like, I look inside myself to understand how I am and who I am and what I've come to be. And that's where we find our place of power. That's where we can root down and rise up at the same time and actually experience the world around us and actually find something to it's easier to see the beauty when you're like rooted in your own mind, body, spirit complexes. <laughs> Ra likes to say in uh, the law of one, right? Like your mind, body, spirit complex is its own paradigm, its own logos, its own sub logos, its own universe waiting to be discovered. And being with that is is pro- it's i mean it's profound i don't really i don't really know i feel so sad because i like i don't have any words to describe mm. just it's just you know it's like you literally have it all inside of you and this is kind of like edgy to say in some circles but like you're almost like a like a demigod creating universes around you yeah. inside of you creating these microcosms. You're the macrocosm inside of a macrocosm. You're a microcosm inside of a macrocosm, but you're also a macrocosm to microcosms. Mm. And the privilege of that is like understanding that, that, that is when we become creative. That is the creative process. That's what I call dharmic creative flow. It's your unique purpose and your God nature expressed 
And it's only through taking ownership of who you are and what you've come with. Yes, yes, and yes. I feel that deeply. And I totally hear you on not having the words. And if you are watching us on YouTube, you can see Daje kind of swinging around her arms and creating those universes <laughs> that we're talking about as we speak. So if you want to hop in on that, make sure you watch this on YouTube. And yeah, there's so many different entry points into the portals that you just created that we can go to. And the first one that I'd love to explore with you is how does one go inside into those depths? I know for me, one of the most profound invitations to go there is psychedelic journeys and the integration that follows that. And also interestingly, and one of the reasons why I love sharing my story publicly through podcasts, through social media, is because I find such beauty and value in sharing my story with others, being witnessed. There's something that happens. There's a transformation that happens to the story and to me as others receive it, as I tell it, and as I even listen to it. Sometimes I will listen to a podcast where someone interviewed me, and there's all of these layers of my own story that I discover that offer me deeper self-acceptance. I'm curious in your experience, yes. what are some of those ways to be more intimate with our story and co-create with it from that universe within that you are talking about? Mm -hmm. For me, one of the most profound ways that I've created a bridge between my external self and my internal self is through music and poetry. So I'm a musician as well. I used to be a worship leader a long time ago, like over 10 years ago almost. And and for me, like it wasn't like singing everybody else's songs, right? It was like my job as a worship leader was to sit and channel for hours at a time. I used to work inside of a prayer house and it was like a 24-7 prayer house and I wanted it to be my job to be in the presence of God my whole life, just standing at the portal, tending it and bringing these songs into reality in real time that felt like the voice of God. And over time, I realized that that activity was me going into my internal world. I love psychedelics, but I'm not but I've like only done, you know, mushrooms like four or five times max. And I've never done any other <laughs> drugs other than, you know, weed. But <laughs> I just like, that was my drug, like going into that liminal intercessory place and seeing my spirit self and holding her and knowing her. And now I would say maybe that was my expansive self or my higher self. And that the beings that I encountered at that time in that place were my guides and the angels who happened to be on my fractal line guiding me. But I think that art, music, poetry, these expressions that don't have any explicable, like there's no like, they don't exist as solid objects, solid expressions. They are 
fluid in density. And it's going into those fluid, fluid and density spaces that we can really begin to like find the pliable parts of ourselves, the pliable soul, like the, the parts of us that are tender, that want to be seen, the subtle body that wants to be experienced. It's like when I went into that place with, with music and story and poetry and just channeled for hours and hours and hours, I could feel my soul around my body. I could feel my aura. And I didn't know that that's what it was at the time, but I could feel it. And I understood more about who I was. And it scared me at the time. And sometimes it still scares me to know who I am. Who are you? Because it's big. It's... I feel like I am in everything. I am everything. I am. I am the breath. And I'm also the breath expressed through this body, this prism. And I am the creator trying to understand what it's like through me, this body, this experience, this life. I'm an expression I'm a cosmic thought, a person, and that feels like the most pure way right now that I can put words and language around who I am. Mm. Um, I've I've always felt that like I've always struggled with the titles and like I've always struggled with my relationship with work in the past, like trying to understand what my work in the world would be as this multi-passionate, multi-expression being. And I tried so many things. I put on so many hats and I went down so many rabbit trails and holes and picked up so many books. And and now I, I don't really care about what I'm called anymore. I just want to express the creator in my body and in this life at this time. And Mm. that's all I've got. Mm. And that's all there is. Yeah. So beautiful. As you were sharing about, I think you shared so beautifully about what art means to you and how that acts as a portal into everything. The words that came to me as you were saying that is it's being so present that you become both the being and the present. And sometimes we will jump from one to the other. And it's like this interplay. It's this forgetfulness into remembering, remembering into forgetfulness. And there's a big part of me that just wants to remember so hard that wants to hold on to that remembering who I am so tightly and yet I'm constantly reminded that the forgetting comes so I can remember more deeply every time or so I can have more fun or more um, stress mm. and challenge so that it shakes mm-hmm. me up and I connect to the parts of myself that haven't been looked at. Mm-hmm. That kind of reminds me of a meme that I saw the other day (laughs) 
Love the internet. <laughs> me too. But it was like, it was a meme of a, a, is it Terrence McKenna? Thomas McKenna? Terrence. Can't remember. No. Terrence McKenna. He was, it was just saying like, some people are so unfamiliar with their own souls that when they meet it, they think they come from another star system. Mm. And it's like, I, goosebumps. Or, yeah. <laughs> Because Wait, hold on, hold on. Can we pause for a second? <laughs> yes. you, know, you know, you have any idea how much I think about this? You often in spiritual circles, <laughs> I do, meet people who say, oh, I'm from this planet and I'm this and I'm this kind of alien or and I can see that you are too. And I'm always like, what are you talking about? No, not <laughs> in a way that, you know, this is not true. Everyone's truth is individual. There's part of me that so deeply wants to get what they're saying, but I just have not been shown that part of existence because I know that I'm in the earth school and some psychics told me that I'm, I come from Neptune, but so what, you know, what am I going to do? Go there in my dreams. I'd rather just like analyze my life or fly in my dreams, which is what I do. Um, <laughs> so can you speak a little bit more what that means to you and what you read in it? And also I definitely want to hear the rest of the meme. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the whole meme. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I think I've sort of always wondered if I came from some other place, but I think more recently I've settled in the inner knowing that I've had a lot of really profound lifetimes. I've created a lot of work in my past lives because it comes through me almost every day. Like, Ksenia, I've had almost no schooling. This was a part of my, like, my upbringing. I've intense abandonment at home. Like I, I've, I'm missing years and years and years of education. And that used to get to me and make me feel like, oh, I, I, I'm going to miss out on opportunities to be, share my intelligence and, and be, you know, whatever. But like those past lifetimes have come through as the inner knowing, as, as the wisdom that I need, as the philosophy that comes through my writing every single day. And it didn't really come become clear to me until I actually met someone who was from another star system, for real, for real. And that was my mentor, Yael. Yael is a hybrid human. And Yael and I mean? were actually- I have full body goosebumps. I'm so intrigued by this. <laughs> I think you and Yael should meet, actually. I think you guys would have a lot to talk about. But they are- So basically- they're a hybrid, so they their their essence was born on a ship, and through human DNA, they were actually able to incarnate on Earth forty nine years ago. They chose the family they wanted to come through. They felt very distinctly called to assist planetary activation uh, through the body. So they also are like a doctor in somatics and physical therapy and just have profound knowing of the body and healing of the body and like massage therapy, taught massage therapy for a while, plants, plant knowings. I just feel very much like so thankful that Yael is in my life. Like it's just divine that this person is in my world, but they're, they're a hybrid human. And we were talking about this and they're like, it's so funny to watch the, the earth people like humans, like navigate this stuff. 
like because they talk with other hybrids and and it's like how do you meet yeah, the other I mean, hybrids like, do you go to forum hybrid <laughs> i have no clue i don't know <laughs> but but like we were just talking about that and i was like yeah and they were like i've learned so much from them about being human just being a human they're like yeah try everything why not this planet is here for you to enjoy it we don't have these kinds of experiences where we can feel the full range of our emotions where we can go through the portal of grief and come out some whole other life form we don't have these experiences of like deep intense joy and and pleasure and and being able to taste and sit with a moment like the, like humans do. And so be with all of your experiences, feel them all in your body. Feel all of that goodness, feel all of these things and be here for what you're here for, right? Like we get so distracted by like who we were in past lives. We get so distracted about like being from another star system. And I think that that's just like extracurriculars at this point. It's like, that's cool. And now how can I use that understanding and be like, okay, I have, I have the tools, I have the wisdom. I've been there before. And now I'm here on earth to be an expression of the creator. And, and that's it. Like, (laughs) you know, it's like, it doesn't have to be more complicated and intense than that. Otherwise we start to like sometimes get ungrounded and like get lost in the ethers when our calling is right here on earth. It's my Mm -hmm. take on it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah. Elle has taught me a lot about that in the time we've been working together. And it's just profound to actually learn it from someone who is actively from another star system Mm -hmm. (laughs) and knows it and didn't have to go through that veil of forgetting to Mm. become human. You know, sometimes I feel that the more I know and have seen about all of the different dimensions of the universe and how energy works, the more confused I become with what the hell do I do with this? So in some ways, (laughs) it's better to know less. But as a curious human who just is constantly asking questions, and creators always asking me, are you sure you want to see this? And I go, yeah, I showed up here. I, I need to see this now. And what, <laughs> what I am realizing is that what really helps me get back into my body is when I'm not sure what to do, when there's all these timelines at once, and I see all the different expressions that my being could take in this human form, I just knock on the door of joy. And that's the simplest way to Mm -hmm. come back right here, right now into the portal of my heart Mm -hmm. and be guided into the next step. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yes. The portal of joy. Yes. It's the sweetest experience to be here, to be honest, even though so much is going on. I don't know why I see it this way, but I just see it as an opportunity. Like this is the reality is Plato. Like, let's get our hands dirty and like play and and shape this world, shape this this context that we're living in. Like, this is a paradigm paradigm that we get to put our hands on and say, it doesn't have to be like this. Let's make Mm. it fun. Let's make it more luscious. Let's make it more rest filled. Let's 
let's heal the trauma in our body so that our next generation can experience more joy and more peace mm. and more hope. And I don't know, I just, that's how I see it. If they still live in a world where joy and peace are even values that exist and are important, because who knows? <laughs> the world is changing so rapidly and how can we possibly know what could be best for mm -hmm. the next generation? Mm -hmm. Well, at least we can make sure that their world is grounded in joy and peace and rest and resources so that when the world around them is falling apart to pieces, they have something to come home to, which is themselves. And that's what I hope to instill in my, my family and my <laughs> legacy. Mm. I don't know. I have in human design, my cross is the cro ring, right angle cross of rulership. So I'm always, for some reason, thinking about like legacy, excuse me. And I'm always thinking about like my kids and my family and like these parts of me ha that haven't happened yet. Mm. So the generational queen. wealth and all of it. <laughs> yes, the queendom, building that queendom. <laughs> I would love to time travel into the time kind of as a point of access, the moment that we got connected, which I believe was about a year ago, mm. I think that you mm -hmm. started following me and I just clicked on, I was like the story doula. I don't even know if that was your handle at the time. Do you remember how we got connected? Mm. I remember, I remember seeing you doing something with holisticism and I was like, intriguing let me check it out. And I think I did follow you. And I think you did follow me back. And I don't think my handle was the story doula yet, but I was, it was in my bio or something like that. Mm. Hadn't fully stepped into that identity yet. Yes. So I would love to touch on that identity. But before we go there, I remember when you started, when we got connected on Instagram, I clicked on your name and there was something about your profile that just felt so refreshing. And I could tell that you had put this beautiful creative energy into curating your feed and your images. And it was just so bold and it was so colorful, I guess, in human language, that would be a, a way to describe it. Like energetically, it was very colorful and potent. And I just got so intrigued and curious about what you were birthing in the world. And then since then, I've seen you step into the story doula. And since then, I have seen so many of people in my circle comment on your work, share it on their stories, and all of these different spheres have been intersecting. So take me on that journey of when did you actually find that courage or connect to that courage and embody it to be seen in that way? Because there was, I saw a very specific point where you said, okay, that's it. We're being seen now. Mm -hmm. We're stepping out. And then there was another layer of that when you embodied the story doula. So what was that journey from the inside? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is like two timelines converging. This is a story of two timelines converging, maybe three, three different timelines. <laughs> um, there was this aspect of me since 2012, 2011, where I've just sort of been like in the communications world and marketing and design and email and all of that in my job. And then there was this other aspect of me that was just pure artist 
I was like going on tour. I was writing poetry. I like published a whole poetry book at one point. And like that part of me was like profound beauty is found in the tension. It was birth. It was birthed at that point, like 2013, 2014, when I was really, really, really coming out um, to my community as this artist that like, I just feel this calling. And Another dimension of that over time was that I felt this calling toward creative. So part of me uh, dropping out of school in college was, yeah, like some of the high school stuff, like didn't have enough of the background to feel like I could really like go through with college. And then there was the other part of it that was just like, this is not for you. Like I remember going to school every day, going to all my classes, like not for you. You're not supposed to be here. This is not for you. And I sunk down in that prayer room and I was like, I surrender. I surrender this life path. I'm not going to try to force myself to be, you know, this academic, which I love. I am an academic. I'm just not an academic that works well in the institution. (laughs) And so You're an at that school point, academic. yes, <laughs> I got this whole download for a school of like creativity and worship and that was 2013. So like all of these paths were starting to converge and I eventually forgot about that download and that dream of like, I still have it written down, but I was like, I don't know when this is going to happen. I thought it was going to be called the house of Judah. And it was just going to be this place where people learned how to like really dive into their gifts and like worship God through their creativity. <laughs> Ironically. And so, <laughs> cause spring <laughs> school is a thing now. And so like over time, like these identities were converging and I was like kind of just working with them with grace. Like, I had, you know, founding space and I had like my own personal brand where I was sharing music and then Brave School kind of came into this. And I was like, well, why am I afraid to let people see the poet in me as a strategist? Why am I afraid to let people see my soul as someone who feels called to the digital realm in so many ways? Why am I afraid to be honest about how how much artfulness and spirituality play a role in this dance? Because it's not this, like I kept running into these like misaligned situations to say the least of like people expecting like this stark five-year marketing strategist. (laughs) And I'm like, it doesn't work like that. I've never created success for clients by working on operating on that system, that institutional industrialized space. Like my success with my projects, with the strategist, with helping people really birth narratives into the culture is really what I felt like I was doing. I was like really like standing at the gap, standing at the portal, still tending that portal that I was talking about earlier, but the context was different, right? Like, so still tending that portal with people and helping them birth literal new realities, new solutions. As a designer, I was interested in that. Design thinking, yes, let's 
birth new solutions, new concepts, new stories. Let's rewrite the code. That's what I felt like I was doing. And that doesn't fit neatly in these fractured identities of brand strategist, marketing strategist, social media manager, but also songwriter and poet. And so the story doula became this really cohesive way for me to hold these nuances of my work in the world. Cause it's not just marketing. It's, and it's not just strategy and it's not just poetry and it's not just healing work. It's, tending to the portal of our work in the world. It's standing at the intersection between already and not yet and, and, and walking with people as they birth stories, birth literal new paradigms into the culture. A lot of people don't think that when they start a project, that's what they're doing. Ideas come to us. Like this is something I was talking about in Brave School yesterday. We think that we are the center of the thing that we're creating. Like we think as the founders, and this is easy to do because this is the culture that it revolves around what we feel and what we think and what we want and what we desire. And I think all of those things are part of it, but really it's the idea. It's the concept that sits at the center of the ecosystem and That concept is the manifestation of a prayer from the collective, some prayer, some voice, some word, some desire, some want, some need that found its way out from the collective into the liminal, into the imaginal realm. What we do as creatives is we take these ideas and we bring them into our own sphere, our own macroverse, and we begin to birth them into micro universes, micro like cosms of ideas. And the work is about learning how to listen to that and and to surrender to to the seed and what it wants to become and the forest that it's here to birth and the gardens that it's here to to nourish. That's part of the doula work. It's like helping the mother really know how to like be this like vessel for life force to come through. And that's what the story doula feels like to me is like holding space for life force energy to make its way into the world and shift reality. That's some poetry right there. So beautiful. And, you know, as you're speaking, I myself am sitting with this beautiful, newly found connection to bringing all of the different fragmented pieces of my self-expression in the world into somewhat one home. And the thing that I'm realizing has stopped me quite a bit and that I see in so many others is that saying yes to being this vessel to life force often can seem to our brain like it is all about us, like you said, like it's being selfish. Oh, it's all about me. When in reality, when we get past our brain's judgment of that saying yes to being a vessel, being a channel for the life force, we are an answer to the collective's prayer, but we won't know that we are, maybe never, maybe that's not in our karma or destiny this time around, 
but it's this blind trust into saying yes to what's meant to come through us, whether we understand it or not, whether our brain likes it or not, because we didn't come here for it to be easy. We came here to fully embody creation in this human vessel that we are in now, in this moment. And that's all we've got. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I think you spoke right into the heart of it. It's There's like a certain yeah. frequency. Go ahead. I, I was listening. <laughs> we're, we're vibing. We're vibing. We're like on the wave, <laughs> riding it. Um, there's a the way that I perceive it, there's a certain frequency that arises and takes up the space when we say yes to creation. And I feel that I can pick it up in people's websites, social media profiles. And that's what I felt in yours before I even had the words for it. And it takes stepping unapologetically into yourself. And it takes being willing to piss some people off and not resonate with everyone, which you so beautifully speak about. And yeah, I would love (laughs) to just see anything else that's coming up on that. And when you're ready, dive into that realm of letting go of, of trying to resonate with everyone, letting go of trying to please people, letting go of trying to be a certain way. How do we, how did you do that? What is your experience with letting go of that? I think as a projector, accidentally pissing people off anyway, when I was trying to be good, <laughs> is a part of my story. <laughs> So I was just like, well, I guess I might as well just like fully embody this thing. And instead of it being about other people and like what they think and trying to change them and trying to like help them, this is a, this is kind of, has been a fascinating experience for me. Instead of trying to be someone who helps other people, why don't I just trust that what is coming out of me is going to help them and just put it on the table. And if they want it, they can pick it up. And if they don't like it, they can leave. They don't have to eat it. They don't have to drink it. They don't have to be a part of it. They can just be like, oh, I don't like Brussels sprouts. And I can be like, okay, cool. <laughs> you don't have to eat the Brussels sprouts. <laughs> and But I'm still going to make Brussels sprouts because I really like them. And that's kind of how I treat my creative process is like, I'm just going to like be in submission to what is coming out of me right now and what wants to be birthed it through me right now and listening and 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 just yielding to just what my soul is picking up and has to say and even sometimes like what my guides want to say through me one of my guides one like one of my ancestors, she shows up in a lot in a lot of people's readings of me. Indigenous ancestor, Mississippi native, and she, you can tell she's just like very like royal, like very like I don't even know if it's like royal, but just like in charge and very guardian and very like takes no bullshit. And she just like sometimes if I can feel that like I'm channeling that like. I'm just going to go straight into it and I'm not going to mm. dance around. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to dance around discomfort. I'm just going to say what's real. And if it resonates, cool. I used to think 
this is also another dimension. It's like I used to think that I was just like, and I think I still am very, very soft, like very tender person, very sensitive person. But recently I've become, I've come to like understand the pure piercingness of my nature and to hold space for my piercing nature um, over the last year, especially, which is how like Story Doula really started to come online for sure. It was like, I just really started to like own that I am piercing. I pierce through noise and it feels difficult for some people. And I try to hold that with grace, but I learned recently like holding back, there's a difference between like waiting to be invited and then just like holding back my essence, right? So sometimes I don't even have to say anything. I just walk in the room and like I can feel people adjusting. And that's that's just part of how my energy works. Like it's always been that way of like sometimes I will walk into a space and I can feel like the energetic like adjustment because my nature is piercing. Like I've literally had people walk up to me in coffee shops and be like, I just felt your aura just pierce through me. Oh, wow. There's this guy in Houston who told me that. And so like really owning my bigness, that my soul's really big, my soul's like really old, and my soul takes no bullshit mm-hmm. <laughs> on any level. Um, like at all. And I'm learning to be okay with that. I'm learning to allow my soul to just do what it's here to do and not try to stop it or tamp it down in any way. Um, and I feel like I, I find I get more work done. <laughs> mm-hmm. I find I, I like just, there's more f- fruit to harvest at the end of a season like that. There's, there's, I, I've learned so much more about, you know, what it looks like to lead a team by saying no or being like present, fully present in the bigness of my energy instead of sidestepping and not trying to like hurt feelings and things like this. Like there's a difference between like being careful and kind and gracious and like, you know, harming, but like graciousness is still piercing. Softness is still like, intense. And that's how my soul is structured. (laughs) Mm. So I just embrace it. I think that was our answer to your question. I don't know. I may have gone off into another land. (laughs) I don't know. I don't remember what it was, but something that (laughs) I am called to share that feels uncomfortable to share, but it needs to be shared to be transmuted is that there have been so many times, Dajay, where I open up Instagram after like a beautiful walk in nature where I receive all of these downloads and I write them down in my journal and I just, they feel so alive and so profound in me. And I think to myself, okay, my life has changed. This realization is everything. This is how everything's going to be now. And then that same day, I would open up Instagram and you would come up and it would speak exactly <laughs> to that thing. I just experienced. At some point, I had to mute your account on all of my accounts oh my because 
I was feeling like, what is going on here? Are we like, do we have the same ancestors? Are we tapping into the same field? What's going on? But I was really, there was a fear of, you know, if I decided to share it as well, is it going to look like I got it from you? So I'd rather not be impacted by what you're sharing at all. And yet the deeper part of me that knows that nothing belongs to anyone anyway, knows that you just had put into words and even deepened the invitation of what I was experiencing. So it's it's this manifestation of those collective prayers that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I love that you shared that because I've had moments like that too, where I'm like, wow. I think I've had this moment with like holisticism and shell. I'm like, I'm literally writing about this right now. And it's like on everything. And I don't want to look like I'm copying. <laughs> Right. (laughs) And I'm just like, can we embrace the fact that some of us are tapped in on a very fractal, we're kind of hanging out in the same fractal cord and that resonance is like sparking and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I wonder what it would look like for us to like lean into it Mm. and just amplify that resound. Mm. Obviously, like it's a medicine that the culture needs and I almost see, like, I'm just getting chills thinking about it, thinking about it. It's like, you have like the shape that I'm seeing in my mind is like this, this cone that is going downward. Mm -hmm. And then you have all of these guardians that are standing around this cone Mm -hmm. and they're all looking in very different directions and they're all speaking and amplifying what is like coming through this vortex. And if anybody steps out of that, like there's a, there's a, there's a fractal of the collective Mm. that won't receive that medicine that's coming through the vortex at the time. Right. Yes. And so, yeah. What does it look like to lean into that together? Mm. (laughs) Yeah. The way that I I see it, if we're different fractals on that portal, I see that spark bouncing around from one to the other, lighting each one of the messengers up And you're right, if one of the messengers says no, part of the medicine is not being delivered. And what would it take for us to be okay with that? I think what it would take is really allowing ourselves to go beyond brands and strategies, which is, (laughs) yes. And I know you've spoken so beautifully. This was one of those things that you've spoken about that I was like, wait, I literally just spoke about this with my mentor and wrote this down in my journal. How is this possible? (laughs) But the way you've spoken about strategy of how old that is and how new way of creation doesn't need to rely on old strategy, I really feel that right now because I am about to change all of my online presence, let go of all the different brands and fragments, and everything's going to be under Xenia Brief. I am Xenia Brief. Whatever feels alive and what's meant to come through me is not defined by labels. Let's have the conversation. This conversation Mm. is already within that new container. And I'm not calling it a rebrand. I'm not calling it even a, when I say a launch, it sounds funny because it's not a launch. It's just me remembering who I am and me stepping into who I am. It's not a brand. It's not a strategy. So Mm -hmm. talk to me about strategy and what what Mm. is the new way? Yeah. It's so such a paradox. Strategy is such a paradox for me because it's like the new way is the indigenous way. It's the cyclical way. It's the earth way. We over time have gotten so obsessed with linearity. It's very like Mars, 
hyper-masculine way of viewing strategy of, of going from beginning to the end. I was literally just writing about this. Like we're so obsessed with going from beginning to the end, from energetics to success Mm -hmm. to like (laughs) start to finish, Mm -hmm. um, from lose to win. I don't know. Like there's just like this stark linearity that is just so uninteresting. And this is what happens when we make our our ego self, the center of the strategic world, rather than seeing ourselves as a greater part, like a, a part of a greater ecosystem. We, we are a fractal expression of a greater ecosystem. So what would happen if we came into relationship with that? What I've been really interested in recently is regenerative entrepreneurship, regenerative business, Carol Sanford's work, um, who she learned. It's so funny because when I ran into like her, her medicine, I learned that she learned this from her Iroquois grandfather, regenerative, like this concept of regenerative business. And I learned like fertile, I had different language for it, fertile frameworks, cyclical strategics, like just trying to put language around what literally was coming through my dreams about what strategy could be and feeling really shy about bringing this to the culture because like it doesn't fit the model of like, you know, 100K in 30 days or whatever. Right. Or you find something that works and then you launch it four times a year and this is your launch sequence like that. Yes. Yeah. And, and in that sequence, there's like no, there's no room for grace and there's no room for things to fall apart a little bit, which we need in the creative process. We need refractory periods. We need periods of pause and rest and regeneration. We need, we need that so that the mycelium can connect through that death and create a web of a network of information that we can begin to create more life. Like yes. we need that in the soil of the marketplace. And we need periods of resting the soil, of, of regeneration, of planting something new every season so we can keep the soil and the nutrients alive. We don't have that though in our, our current story of what strategy is. What we have is beginning to end. What we have is a stark story of success. And my curiosity is what does it look like to get low and listen, to be in relationship with data through intuition, through the body, an integrated approach. Another one that is really prevalent in the marketplace right now that like I think personally perpetuates this linear story of success that is not working for anybody. Like I've worked with people across the spectrum. It is not working for anybody. My partner, I get to watch his work. He works with like tech startups and founders. He's like a CEO founder whisperer for startups all over the world. Like they've been like, I've gone through several rounds of funding. It's the same thing. It's not working for anybody. Mm. This line- the story of linearity is not working for anybody. We need low cyclical, like, relational processes that allow us to, to sync in harmony. So Carol Sanford in her work, she was talking about how alignment is actually a term of the machine. And we've adopted this term into like spirituality and into these paradigms, but it's, it's still this term that just doesn't quite fit right. Mm. And it feels funny in our mouths every time we use it. It's why we're so always seeking alignment all the time, all the time seeking alignment. 
and God and earth is like, just come back into the body and flow with it. Die a little bit. Learn how to die. Learn mm-hmm. how to sink. Learn how to be with the earth. Learn how to restructure your body on the soil. Mm-hmm. So what would we, what would happen? Like, and I'm really curious about this. What would happen if we brought those concepts into business strategy and business structures? This wisdom of learning how to die and be reborn, of going through the portal, of going through the liminal, going through that tension. Mm. So that's kind of where strategy comes in for me. And I really feel like my guides have been like pouring this into me. Like this is this stuff that comes from dreams for me. Like I've woken up with like entire downloads of like, this is the structure. And it doesn't look like, you know, I tr- <laughs> one of the most recent examples of this was like, it was one of the very last websites I designed um, and brands I designed, uh, Visual Identity. And they also needed some like strategy work, brand strategy work, like brand value proposition and positioning and, and, and content consulting and all of that stuff. And I worked with them. And my body, my, my inner wisdom was like, we're going to make this plan and then we're going to see how it goes. (laughs) So I like leaned into the linearity with them because these are all men, you know, this like masculine structure. And then by week three, when it came down to the market research piece, which is like true listening, like getting low and listening, there's like a lot of fractal wisdom in, in what we call market research, getting curious about our relationships to the ecosystem, our relationships to the communities that we're building. And it all started to fall apart a little bit because soul work wanted to be done. Mm. And there was like this like invitation to these founders to like really step into new versions of themselves and really take ownership of their own relationship with each other and take time to like really connect and reform and rebuild and, and, and to like, to begin to use that value proposition as a, as a place to not push an agenda, but rather to have a value to check the nervous system of the business back onto, right? To, to, um, what's the word to calibrate the nervous system of their business back onto what the intention of the idea was that was expressed by the idea, the idea itself and not just like pushed on by the founders. We often act like to our concepts, we often act like parents who are pushing an agenda, pushing a life, pushing a, a style of, of being, a career, uh, a relationship onto our ideas as like these babies, these, these kids that we have, that we are, we are trusted with by the universe to shepherd and, and to feed and to nurture. And we're just like pushing our agenda onto these, Mm. these concepts. And they're like, no, 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 no. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. Like that's not, that's not what I'm here for. And then we get surprised when the idea just ups and leaves, it all fails. It all falls apart because we weren't nurturing that what it wanted to be. We weren't accepting what it wanted to be. Or we weren't accepting our role as as parents of concepts uh, to really step in and take ownership of who we are and our essence and holding containment as founders for for ideas to really thrive and become what they want to be. Mm. For me, strategy is like is fractal wisdom. It's and maybe there's a different word for it because 
strategy holds a frequency in our culture. And I recognize that, but for lack of better words, what we think of as strategy is, can be, can be older, can be more ancient, more indigenous than we thought it was. And so part of my work is like, I just want to like bring, like just skip over this whole, like however many hundreds of years we've, it's taken us to like go full on Mars and war and like murder and conquer and like just skip over that timeline, just collapse it and come back mm. to earth and, and the body mm. and listening and relationship. So that's where I'm at with strategy. That's what I think about it. So in that case that you just shared, did you actually voice all of that to the team mm -hmm. or do you just embody it and channel it and share it on an energy level? And if you did put into words, you know, like when we are not ready for love or grace <laughs> Those things may feel like pain. So how do you mm -hmm. feel into how much they're ready to receive? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I try to be as honest as possible about what usually happens. And everybody comes in thinking, it's not going to happen with me. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is the birthing birth. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. So I just gently hold the space. I, you know, build the brief. I, I build out, built out this like super elaborate timeline. And I just knew this is a part of the process. And when it happened and when it fell apart, I was like, yeah, let's hold space for it. Let's take the time and the space. Let's extend the, the deadline. Let's extend the timeline because at some point, like I just stopped being afraid of the fact, being afraid that they would think that I am incompetent because it wasn't about me. It's not about how competently I can lead you through the process. It's about how can I hold space and containment for you to lead yourself through the process? Because Homesky, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you for these deliverables. And, <laughs> and what I'm waiting on is not for you to force yourself to do and create and write and, and build and, and structure and serve. What I'm waiting for you is to, to just drop back into your your body and your voice and come home to yourself and say the and, and recognize what the the vision is inviting you into and being honest about that. Mm. I'm waiting for you to drop into flow instead of trying to uh structure around alignment. Alignment is cool. It's a great story. Um, but that's all it is. It's not the reality of how our planet operates. Mm. There's no straight line anywhere on the texture of earth mm. anywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so why would we expect that to be reflected in us? No, we are wiggly shapes and, and stories and giving ourselves grace and space and time is how we, I, that's how we move into innovation Great. I, and this is a recent thought for sure, as I've been like feeling into and studying more about what cyclic, cyclical strategics is, but it's like, it's this, it's this idea that grace is the portal that innovation comes through. Mm. It is the portal period. That's mm. it's all over the tech world. 
I mean, you log in every day into your email, onto your phone, and there's a new update on every app. Mm. It has to be ingrained in our relationship with strategy. Grace has to be a part of the process. And that's part of this. That's the secret that the tech world knows, but they would never call it that. Mm. They call it beta testing and user testing (laughs) and research. And all it is, is just built in grace. So Mm. I get curious about what it would look like for the people that who really are attracted to my work and I serve to like really begin to build in grace into their strategies and their processes Mm. and their relationship with their own work and how it would change who they are and what they bring. What I'm present to is just how much beauty is available in the world once we drop the fears of looking incompetent, not achieving (laughs) some external metrics of success, looking bad, pissing people off. And (laughs) it's so funny you bring in alignment because, you know, a lot of my, I was just deleting thousands of posts on my Instagram account as I create this new soil for who I am, or really just dig up the soil that was there the whole time. And there's all these quotes of alignment over hustle. And I, <laughs> I see exactly what you're talking about. It's how alignment plays into those old systems, because I thought that alignment was the highest value, because if I'm aligned, if I meditate twice a day, if I'm clean in my energy, then I will achieve those external metrics. And that's how it was all being <laughs> fed. But grace <laughs> and this idea of being a part of creation, to me, you know, that really boils down to this question of what is meant to be, not what do I resonate with today, what feels aligned, what even feels joyful. Those could be all beautiful places to begin. But ultimately, to me, grace lies when I ask myself the question, not just myself, but everything around me as well, of what is meant to be and what is meant to come through me in this moment. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> I feel like I could just like. <laughs> What's that? I said, I feel like I could just say, I could just like bounce off of that and I'm like holding mm-hmm. myself back, like, ah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> That's mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. The other beautiful example that I want to bring in, you know, you shared about how stepping into grace plays into with working with the team in, your, in the consulting work. And in your role as a teacher, something I saw you do so beautifully that reminded me that I can do that too, is this invitation to take breaks. Even when we are teachers, even when we are leaders, some periods, some cycles will require us to just be hidden and be inside and do our own work. And I used to have all these stories that if I'm not teaching, if I haven't launched a program or done all this public consulting work for some time, then I lose my relevance and people don't think of me as this thought leader. But, you know, you phrased it so beautifully of how nourishing and important and vital it is to honor those cycles as a teacher, as a leader. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Something I was thinking about last night relating to this is like, we think that cyclicality is strictly a feminine concept, but it's not masculinity is cyclical too. And what I was thinking about and feeling into is that some of us don't know how to die a warrior's death. Some of us don't know how to put the sword down quickly. Some of us don't know how to Mm. surrender the man 
and become the animal. Some of us don't know how to sit under the moon and be the animal and be the, the grief and sink into that big anger, violent vibe <laughs> that sometimes comes with taking a break. And mm-hmm. we want <laughs> we want to, like men, masculine cyclicality is tending the portal too of death. I brought up the concept of the warrior in brave school, I think a little too early in the season in the summer. <laughs> and people were like, no, no, I don't resonate with the warrior. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm like, well, spirit, what do you think? <laughs> like, I, I felt led to bring this concept through and people were like, no. And I think they were the least attended sessions inside of our program ever <laughs> since the membership has been open of like, Surrendering to identity death, Mm. ego death, trusting yourself to be held through that experience by God becoming the new man. Men's cycles are, men have daily cycles. They have very quick refractory periods over and over and over again. Their moon cycles happen every day. And we have that in us to lean into that ability to recoup. This is why the tech world is, they have no problem with making mistakes. This is why dudes have no problem with being seen as total jerks. (laughs) I mean, maybe not. I mean, it could be more complex than this, but honestly, I think the fractal wisdom in it is that that's probably why they don't have a problem with it. They get over it really quickly because they see through, they see like all the way to like, that portal is like this. They see the bigger picture. That's the, I feel like what I'm learning right now, and there's probably more to this that will come through later. And I'm holding space for that. And I could probably be totally wrong right now. And I'm okay with that too. But I think that for me right now, the medicine of masculine cyclicality, which is really what we're talking about here, especially in business, is surrendering to death. Hmm. Hmm. This was your Friday edition of Earth School Worship with Daja James. Tune in <laughs> next Friday. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I am just so grateful and I feel so held by the grace because this conversation has been, could be the most rich podcast conversation I've ever held. And mm. I'm just so grateful wow. to you, Daje, for saying yes to the divine, for guiding me to do all the human earthly things that needed to happen for my brain to finally sink in to the space that I've been meant to hold all along. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Michelle Holisticism, as our spark and point <laughs> of connection. Yes. <laughs> and... Before we wrap, is there anything else that you are called to share? And also make sure that you uh, leave our listeners with the best ways to connect with you as well. Mm, Yeah. I don't have anything else that I want to share, I guess, right now. But feel free to follow me on the story, Dula. I'm always up to something over there on Instagram. Beautiful. 
Mm, blessings, earth beings, and hybrids too. We love you all. May <laughs> you have a blessed rest of your day. And if you're moved by something that was shared here, do tag us, Xenia.brief and the story doula. It's always so beautiful to see how, you know, this container of metamorphosis, it just keeps spreading and lighting up all of the different beings on the grid. So connect with us. If you're moved by what was shared in this episode and not sure how to take action, start by writing it down. When we notice abundance and clarity in all shapes and forms and honor it, it grows. And if you're called to share the podcast with someone who you know is ready to receive it, follow that. Find all episodes, show notes, and current offerings on XeniaBrief.com. Subscribe to Xenia Brief Podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review, and take one deep breath into the knowing that's already within you.